Don't let being treated for pain be a pain. Come to Downtown's Healthcare, 950 17th Street in Denver. Find out how to reduce pain naturally without surgery, without drugs. Call Downtown's Healthcare, 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. Hi, everyone. I'm John C. Morley, the host of the J. Moore Tech Talk Show and Inspirations for Your Life. Hey guys, it is John C. Morley here, serial entrepreneur, coming at you today, uh, which is another beautiful, great Friday. Uh, we're at September 30th. I can't believe, everyone, it is the last Friday of the month. And next week, I'm going to be starting to say happy October to you. It'll be October 7th. We have a great show for you. We have a lot of great guests coming up in the next few months, so definitely stick around for that. But let's get right into our show, shall we? Because there's just so much great stuff that I want to share with you. Well, the first thing I want to talk to you about is uh, Italy. Yes, Italy and Intel have uh, decided to uh, find a spot for their uh, new plant, their new chip plant. And um, they pick Veneto, V-E-N-E-T-O, Veneto, uh, as the preferred region for the chip uh, place. So Intel is to build its advanced packaging assembly site in Italy and uh, Drachi's successor to have a say actually before any deal is finalized. And the Italian plant would create up to 5,000 jobs, Intel said. But I have to say something to Intel. If you're so concerned about the United States and what's going on, why aren't you building a factory here in the United States? You know? Um, I know um, that there was something going on um, where we're going to have a chip production plant uh, that's going to be in Phoenix. I think that's going to be pretty cool. Um, so we're going to have to see what happens with that. Uh, but uh, Intel is building this plant in Arizona, which I should say is, is a good, definitely a good thing here. And, um, you know, I think um, the most important thing to understand is that when I say why, I mean, they're building this in Europe, and I get it, but I feel that we need to be doing more, um, more with um, technology, and we need to be focusing a lot of this on the United States. So the fact that they're building something, you know, in Italy, I'm not against that concept. But I guess what I really want to say is, you know, why is it that um, they're going out that way? And, and why do they want to build a plant in Italy? I mean, like, what's the point? Um, 
They picked this town uh, in the northeastern Veneto region as their preferred site for the new multi-billion dollar Euro chip factory in Italy. And uh, it's interesting, but is the factory in, um, you know, in the United States going to be as big as this? Um, they're saying the one in Arizona will be worth $20 uh, billion. So that's what they're saying. Uh, which they already started construction on, you know, not too long ago. So we're going to have to see, you know, what's happening, what's going on. But but I am a little bit concerned that, um, you know, that they're they're building this huge plant over there uh, when I think they should be putting a lot of money into, you know, the United States. And I know that they put money into the, the, the place that's actually, you know, going to be in Phoenix, Arizona, but is that going to be enough, ladies and gentlemen? Is that going to be enough? Because um, I feel like they're putting more resources overseas than they are in the United States. And that's why I said, why aren't you doing something in the U.S.? Yes, they're building a plant in the U.S. But I don't know if it's going to be as big as this plant, um, you know, in Italy. I think it's great they're doing it. but is it going to help our world? I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see what goes on with that, ladies and gentlemen. I'm, I'm on the fence to see, you know, what they're going to do, but I'm, I'm a little leery. All right. In other news, uh, we've got Australia's Optus uh, contacts customers. They're quoting a cyber attack. What the heck is this all about, ladies and gentlemen? Well, uh, Optus uh, had contacted Attacked its customers that were caught in this uh, cyber attack. And for those of you that are not familiar, uh, Australia is the number two telecommunications company. And they said recently, and I quote, that they had contacted customers about a cyber attack that accessed personal details of up to, listen, ladies and gentlemen, 10 million customers in one Australia's biggest cybersecurity breach ever in history. So... I don't know, ladies and gentlemen. I I, I feel that um, I feel that the only reason that they did this is because somebody was watching them. I don't think they would have voluntarily contacted people. I mean, I I could be wrong. I, I could I could be very wrong, but I just feel that you know the right. Precautions aren't putting put in place the right security. We're being reactive rather than proactive. All right. And so um, I don't know. I just feel that these companies are not doing what they should be from day one. The chief executive, uh, Kelly Bayer, uh, Rosemary, said recently, and I quote, she was angry and sorry that an offshore-based entity had broken into the company's database of customer information, accessing home addresses, driver's licenses, passport numbers of the equivalent to 40% of Australia's population. In an update, recently the company owned by Singapore Telecommunications, LTD, said it was contacting all customers to notify them of the previously announced cyber attacks impact if any, on their personal details. And lastly, I want to quote, we'll begin with customers whose ID document 
number may have been compromised, all of whom will be notified quickly by today, and we will notify customers who have had no impacts last, it said the statement. No passwords or financial details have been compromised. Now, Optus also had gone on to, to say that corporate customers appeared unaffected by the sophisticated hack, which initially informed customers about um, just this past week. And so um, in the Sydney Morning Herald, they reported that Optus was probing a threat to sell millions of customers' personal information online unless the company paid $1 million in cryptocurrency to the hackers. So I have to just say, I mean, if you're going to play in these great big sandboxes, I don't have any mercy for you because you should have done what you needed to do to protect you and everyone else's data whom people are trusting you to protect. And, and you're not doing that. So I feel that hopefully this sends a message to people that, you know, cyber crime is not going away, unfortunately. But we need to be more proactive instead of reactive. Now, what's the difference between proactive and reactive? Well, for that, I'm going to jump over to so our good friends at, um, of course, you know, MiriamWebster.com. Uh, and again, I want to thank them for their great resources. So. When we talk about reactive, uh, reactive is an adjective of or relating to or marked by reaction or reactance, a readily response to a stimulus. So when something happens like an attack or a threat, they respond then. So what does it mean then to be proactive, which is what all these companies are not doing? An adjective, acting anticipation of a future problem, need, or changes. Again, all thanks to Merriam-Webster. We do appreciate their, their great content. So, for example, if there was someone that had a health issue, right, they would be proactive to make sure they took necessary steps in their diet, uh, in exercise, et cetera, to make sure that they stayed healthy. If it was reactive, that would mean that maybe a, a test came back positive, and now they need to be reactive so the problem doesn't get any worse. I feel a lot of these companies are playing games with my money, your money, and not only that, but innocent people's information that could be falling into the wrong hands and, of course, getting on the dark web. Yeah. So I don't know, ladies and gentlemen. I, I feel that um, where this is going is not great. And I feel it is good that they stepped up and did what they need to do. However... I don't think that's going to be enough. It's not going to be enough to keep things at a status quo. Now, yes, they're going to fix things. I get it. But at the end of the day, you know, they could have prevented this by having the right firewalls, the right security, the right procedures in place. That's what they needed to do. If they would have done that from day one, you and I would not be talking about this breach that recently happened. All right. Our friends at Microsoft, uh, Microsoft enhances the employee experience of the Viva platform. What the heck is the Viva platform? Does anybody know what that is? So again, Microsoft uh, enhanced uh, the Viva platform. And so um, this is a, a system that they've been working on for a while. 
And although Viva is not that new, it's the whole idea of the digital employee. And by enhancing uh, the platform for employees, uh, digital employee workspace could be maintained in a better continuum. More security, more control, more tracking, right? And you and I both know, I was talking to somebody the other day about, um, you know, working from home or remote work. That's not going away, right? And so Microsoft has said, and I quote, the way they empower their employees, quote, we develop dynamic, sustainable, and strategic programs that together provide a highly differentiated portfolio to attract, reward, and retain top talent and enable our employees to do their best work. These programs reinforce our culture and values. Hmm. I don't know. That sounds like a very good political statement. So Microsoft Viva, again, is an employee experience platform that brings together communications, knowledge, learning, resources, and insights into the flow of work. It's powered, of course, I'm sure you know, by Microsoft 365 uh, and uh, through Microsoft Teams. And Viva actually fosters a culture that empowers employees and teams to be their best from anywhere around the globe. So when we think about this, Microsoft is trying to give employees a way to be able to be more efficient, to have more information at their fingertips, but also to have a system that is able to have better workflow. I think that's what's really cool about this, right? But a lot of companies out there, ladies and gentlemen, I have to tell you, they're, they're not doing this at all. They're, 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 they're just not doing this at all. So I have to keep an eye. More companies, I'm sure, are going to follow suit with doing those kind of things. And our good friend, Amazon Jeff Bezos, and now must testify in an FTC investigation. What the heck is this all about? So Jeff Bezos, who you guys know, um, needs to testify in an FTC investigation. What's this about? Oh, that's a great question. So um, a while back, as you guys know, things were getting pretty heated in the Amazon space. And uh, Amazon's founder, Jeff Bezos, and CEO, Andy Jacy, uh, now need to testify in this ongoing Federal Trade Commission probe into whether the company misled people into subscribing to Amazon Prime and other services the agency had said just passed uh, a little while ago. The decision follows earlier Amazon claims that FTC staff were harassing the two men and imposing undue burdens on them. Amazon had filed a petition to the agency's topmost officials asking them to intervene. But the agency's commissioner said Amazon had not met the legal threshold to quash the civil subpoenas issued to the two men. Amazon provides no reason why the commission must accept anything less then all the relevant testimony it can obtain from these two witnesses. The FTC commissioner, Christine Wilson, wrote just recently in a statement, and I quote, Amazon said, it is disappointed but unsurprised the FTC largely declined to rule against itself. But we're pleased the agency walked back its broadest request and will allow witnesses to choose their own counsel. 
Amazon has cooperated with the FTC throughout the investigation and already produced tens of thousands of pages of documents. The company said, we're committed to engaging constructively with FTC staff, but we remain concerned that the latest requests are overly broad and needlessly burdensome, and we will explore our options. Well, I have to say, with all due respect, whether it's Amazon or whoever it is, a big giant, I feel that these companies are just very clever with their attorneys and everything they do each day. So I think there's a lot going on. And when we talk about people like workers that are uh, you know, dying on the floor because they're being overstressed more than would be expected in a reasonable situation and uh, in a way that could cause them health risks. But when we learned not too long ago that a gentleman was actually on the floor for not one, not two, but several hours until one of their automated systems, robots came around checking and found out there's somebody on the floor. And then help was dispatched. I just feel that this company needs to be watched. I'm not saying they're a bad company. I'm not saying they're a good company. I, I say they need to be watched because I've had situations in the past where you try to do things with them. They lose things. And all of a sudden, you're suddenly up a creek because they have some amazing excuse to why they can't help you. I don't know. We're going to have to see what happens. I'm glad the FTC is stepping in. And uh, I think what we have to be careful of is that Amazon is getting too big. And they're not, I'm going to say, responsibly holding the duties that a company like this should. Their customer service is terrible. And you don't have to take my word for it. You can call them and you can see. You know, you, you go out to another country and then you have to almost beg and plead to get them to a U.S. person. They barely know what they're talking about. And then they promise you something and then all of a sudden they don't do it. I think this is the problem with a lot of these big companies. They hire people very inexpensively and they expect a high quality job, but they don't give them a high quality job. And that's just because when you hire people from other countries, the culture is different over the place. The culture is different. So different that, you know, they just don't have the same work ethic as we do in the United States. I don't know. I feel that there is a lot that's going to come underway. Now, it's not all going to happen, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow. It's not all going to happen tomorrow. So if you're waiting for it to happen tomorrow, then, well, you're unfortunately going to wait a little while longer. In some other news, uh, high-tech trends in law enforcement and emergency response. Now, this is, uh, this is pretty cool what's, what's going on. Um, you know, we don't hear a lot about things in emergency response, if, if you remember correctly. We only hear whenever there's a great big problem. All right. So um, advances in uh, technology are now spreading through law enforcement centers nationwide to help police departments solve crimes and protect public safety. I think that's a great thing. Regardless of the organizations involved, technology is bringing change, both good, ladies and gentlemen, and bad, despite the process of vetting in between. Perhaps more 
than other industries, police departments um, nationwide are facing both internal and external challenges about implementing new tech options. But for example, some uh, IT tools are so innovative that the courts have not had time to rule on their legality. When challenges are voiced, courts processes take time. And as the rulings are issued, court decisions are often not applicable universally. And then we start to see this whole new law that is starting to become into existence, which is the jurisdiction of internet law. Things that weren't even thought of many years ago, but now they are because people are playing in the online world. And what we're learning is that it's not actually able to be uh, policed or um, controlled in a manner that would protect our rights. Specialized tools for emergencies are rolling out um, on, on new types of things uh, for law enforcement, adapting things like high-end devices uh, developed by U.S. forces on the battlefield to aid police departments in improving response and detection in those high-stress emergency situations. The most challenging emergencies uh, all police agencies face today, uh, as we know, involve security and rescue in potential situations with, of course, active shooters. Now, the CRG, or the Critical Response Group, uh, that uh, Rogers um, co-founded, addresses the deadly situation with effective and innovative use of technology. Now, CRG is an indoor mapping um technology company that transitions the lessons learned on the battlefield to the public safety use at home and, of course, in schools. The process uh, takes the military way of doing things with a high-end mapping technology so that we're able to employ and uh, deploy other types of emergency resources uh, domestically and um, get the people that run these institutions more comfortable with this type of operation. I want to quote something that Roger said. We focus on providing the most accurate indoor mapping data that is compatible with what the tools public safety has already chosen to employ today. Close quote. So companies are working with local law enforcement agencies throughout the United States to understand where each department is technologically ahead and behind. The team integrates mapping data directly into the existing structures, and CRG puts police officers on a different mobile applications so they can leverage that technology from mobile perspective. Do you suffer from chronic hip, knee, or shoulder pain? Avoid drug dependency and surgery with Downtown's Healthcare in Denver. Downtown's Healthcare offers regenerative therapies that stimulate the body's self-healing process. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. As I want to quote again, it's more of a generational shift that public safety is being affected by where every person being hired to a police department today has one, if not two phones. They have used them for everything they have done for the last 10 years. So they're bringing that skill 
to public safety today, said Rogers. So police work today uh, has performed by many officers, and they're more technical individuals out in the field today, which was not required many years in the uh, police world. And the technology trends are continuing to emerge to hopefully help uh, all kinds of emergency responders, workers, uh, police officers, etc. And the New York Police Department is the first mover because of its resources. They recently moved all their officers off radio, and now every officer is using a cell phone. Another quote I'd like to add here. I think it is because they want to give the other officers the best possible chance when they're out there fighting crime. And you can do that with a portable phone and notebook computer, he said. Close quote. So I think that's important. The other thing that we're also learning is that, you know, we have been practicing a lot. But when it comes time to people's life, we don't have time to practice. I mean, something like the wrong shoot or the wrong plan could mean one person or hundreds of people's lives. And CRG is uh, comprised of a former U.S. Uh, Special Operations Command operator who first used the solution on hundreds of real-world missions. Included uh, within the CRG staff are domestic public safety experts who adapt these special teams' tactics for use by first responders. The company employs a tactical staff for designing and managing collaborative mapping projects. So, I think the fact that we're getting this type of technology and that we're getting mapping data that can actually help us understand not only the environment that we're currently in, in a safe situation, but how that environment can be a threat to us and how we can use tools every day to learn what we can do to be safe and to become a threat to that active shooter. Because we all know that it takes just a fraction of a second to lose control of any environment. Practice is something we don't just want to do because we want to get better at it. We want to practice because we don't want to lose any more lives. And I think that is a real accolade to technology innovations in the safety workplace. So innovative technology uh, enhancements for law enforcement. Uh, three years ago, Rogers spun off what was a division within the Rogers Group to form the Critical Response Group as a separate company partnered with the Rogers Group. The goal was to transition and implement innovative technology and training techniques to enable better designs faster and to ensure a collaborative communication during critical incidents. So I think one of the most important things I can say as also being a first responder, a lot of times we know there's a problem. We don't know how severe the problem is. We don't know if it's an active shooter. We don't maybe know where the active shooter is. We don't know if they have any accomplices there. We don't know all the weapons they have. And we don't really know what kind of a mindset they have. If this is their first time, we don't know any of that. So being able to map a location and figure out things is really, really critical. Um, GXP Ops View gives first responders access to CRG in their responses through a smart device and allows first responders to be tracked on top of the CRG and share their position with other first responders to enhance command and control in an emergency. So I think what we're learning here is that the tools that can help us collaborate, 
not only our position, but our resources are going to be, I'm going to say, key to not only a successful um, recovery of a lockdown situation, but also to ensure everyone's safety and that they stay alive. Now, new high-tech tools are coming about every day. Tools for law enforcement, first responders, and some of the latest new high-tech options are coming out. Much of these advancements uh, share similar threads, and they all require high-level IT services integrated with big data. So key areas uh, involve data mapping, uh, track smartphones, keeping tabs on social media, relying on Wi-Fi, and using biometrics. Now, many police departments use body cameras already or plan to get them when budgeting permits. Body cameras serve as a dual purpose. One, they document interactions between officers on the street and the citizens they encounter. And two, they provide evidence of how effective police training procedures are and where improvements are needed. Um, we're learning more about drones every day and how they can help not only in the battlefield, but how they can help every day in our situations right here in our own town or community. And so the more that our situations become, I'm going to say intense, uh, they become uh, more threatening. Uh, they become a lot more mobile and tactility is really key because if we can't understand how to do something, right, and we only have a fraction of a, of a second to respond, that could be the decision of whether people stay alive or they die. So, of course, there's older technologies and there's newer technologies. And so there are companies that allow you to mix the old technology with the new, which is one way to go if you don't have a big budget. And where are we going? Well, today the use of technology is preparing our law enforcement agencies to do better jobs more efficiently and, of course, safely. We want to cut ties with older, less capable equipment that doesn't go very smoothly. And we want to basically uh, trend on those budget watchers and explain to them how these few extra dollars might mean the difference of the tools that could save people's lives in the community. Now, progressive policing agencies are starting to keep up with the high-tech curve. Agencies are, agencies are still struggling with issues identified in 911 commission report. And what companies are choosing to do to work hard, to be tactical, is still a long way. Let's think about this for a moment. Law enforcement officers stepping out of a squad car to respond to a scene. Vest cam films, on-the-spot witnesses, interviews, and records of all conversations. Communication consoles in the vehicle relays everything back to the department's cloud server, and AI transcribes all the discourse, filters the appropriate details in a report, and packages the entire incident report to a centralized database that other agencies can instantly access. No more are we going to have waiting one day, two day, three day, four days, because the report has to be prepared. So I feel that in order to be in emergency management, whether that's office emergency management, whether that's first responding, such as in um, 
other types like uh, EMTs, uh, police officers, fire uh, department uh, workers. We have to understand that in order to do our job today, it's different than what it was 10 or 15 years ago. Because now, if you're not technology uh, aware and savvy, I think that needs to become a big focus of those that want to help the community. Having these tools on your belt is great, but imagine being in a potential life-threatening situation and you can't figure out how to pull up a map. You can't figure out how to pull up a map. I mean, that's like, I don't know. I'm like speechless on this. You have this multi-million dollar tool on you and you can't figure out how to pull up the map, which in seconds could give you valuable data about how you should respond and how you could communicate to other people and what they should do. And if we're all together into a network and we all can see what's going on, we can collaborate and thus be able to make that strike at once as opposed to, well, let's take a hit and maybe we'll be lucky. You see, in the eyes of active shooter, maybes are not really something that should ever be thought of because of a maybe is a decision that you have your life may not last and so when we think about active shooter we have to realize that nobody wants to think about it but we need to prepare ourselves to have the tools both physically mentally okay and once we do that and practice how to use them and also the mental exercises, we will then be prepared, hopefully, for something that never comes. Nobody can ever train enough for an active shooter environment. But at least if we have drills and we practice, we'll feel a little more comfortable. I was watching an active shooter uh, training not too long ago at uh, our academy. And what they were explaining to me is that, you know, tools that we have every day, like pens, screwdrivers, they don't seem like weapons, but they can be. Any tool in our life can be used for good and that can be used for bad. It's important to learn the tools that you have in your workplace, at your home, that could be used to either A, disorient an attacker. You don't have to live with chronic pain. Downtown's Health can show you a better way. Joint pain, back pain, pain that sits and waits. Downtown's Health offers an alternative with physical and regenerative therapy. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992. Now in Lowry or downtown. Okay. Or potentially take down the attacker with the help of someone else so you can now get their weapon and you can now take control. Remember, these are not things that you do to become a hero. These are things that we all need to be doing so that we can protect the livelihood of our lives and those in our communities. You know, we've all seen movies where, you know, a person takes a, uh, the broom and they undo it and then they suddenly do this jujitsu move. Well, that's great. But suppose that didn't work. Somebody else in that group needs to be able to help. And if you're at a hostage situation, let's say in a bank, and 
you're all just vibing to want to get out because you're you're on pins and needles wondering whether you'll live or not. Everyone needs to understand what resources have because so many people feel that when they're in environment that they have no weapons, but they do. There are things on people's desks. Uh, there are things you have in your pocket, like a pen. Even things in, in ladies' cosmetic cases can be used as weapons. Um, things like a mirror, for example, can be used to take the light and shine them into a person's eye that could potentially distract them. Of course, you have things like, uh, you know, we have other types of uh, um, devices such as pepper spray and other types of uh, deterrent devices. But what if you don't have those things? What if your life depends on you being resourceful and getting over being fearful so that you can use your mind to find those kind of resources that exist. But if you're scared and you're not able to use that mind, you're never going to have a chance. Again, we don't think about technology a lot in the security space, but it's becoming more and more of an issue. And I think as police departments, um, different agencies are using it, not only do we as responders, agencies, and as the community have a duty and responsibility to act in a manner that's going to help and save our lives and others, we also have to make sure that this information does not get abused. So knowing that you are in an environment that is not friendly, you have to know when to strike. You have to know when that time is. You have to know what to do. And if you're in a group of uh, people at your bank, it's important to have meetings. Maybe you have signals or things that you do that you could normally do very casually. It could be something as simple as rubbing your nose, and that could be a symbol to somebody to strike. You see, we all prepare for things like a fire drill, right? We prepare for things like earthquakes, but we don't always prepare for active shooters. And I don't think it's because we can't. I think it's because it's a very emotional situation. And I'm not negating that fact. But if you could prepare and do a drill once a month, praying to God, you'll never, ever need it. And that lockdown ever happened. Don't you think you'd have a better chance of getting out of there alive as well as helping other people get out of their life. See, I think that's what we need to think about. So training is key. Technology is key. And using your environment's resources to put all those together are essential to the survival of your life and everyone else in it, in your community, in your office, in your home. Now, when we think about technology, and we think about high tech trends. We're always saying, well, gee, this is great. That's great. But, you know, a lot of times the tech that comes out doesn't work. So I feel we always have to have a backup and a way to know, well, what if this? If this happens, what should I do? 
if that happens, what should we do? Have an if-then plan. Hopefully, you'll never need it. Hopefully, technology will be flawless. But you and I both know that technology is not flawless. It has issues. So let's not cry over the spilled milk because we were never trained on how to use something. Let's make it our job. Go to your supervisor tomorrow or go to the person that is uh, head of your squad or head of your department. Say, hey, look, we need to have an active shooter training. We need to have monthly trainings. We need to go over this. We're highly successful, especially if you work at a bank or any type of customer service environment. Do you know tactics like, uh, you know, uh, silent uh, alarms? Do you have things like that? A lot of banks do. But what if you don't get the chance or what if you can't press that button or, or what if? How are you going to mentally be tactical enough to be able to take that moment to get that active shooter disarmed. Now, it might not be something you could do alone. It might be something you have to do with a team. But I think it's better to practice this and know what it is that you have to be doing. And if your company's not doing this, you got to get them to start. And if they don't want to do it, maybe it's bringing in your local police department, asking them to do this. Most people don't want to get involved because it's not an easy thing. I remember going to bomb training many years ago and uh, being at a racetrack, which was portrayed as a place that was a courthouse. And there was um, a trial going on, hypothetically. And we had these... Um, um, bomb packs strapped to us as all part of this drill. I remember when the SWAT team came in. I remember the first time hearing that buzzer. And I'm like, what does that mean? It says, you didn't make it. But we can reset it and do it again. I'm like, I didn't make it. No, but that's what we're practicing. And so I think that's the important thing. We need to become better at what we do and use the resources and learn what the resources are. Did you know that a pen could be a weapon? Did you know that a stapler could be a weapon? Did you know that a flashlight could be a weapon? Did you know the statue could be a weapon? Did you? Do you know what things in your office that could possibly trip somebody up? Do you know how to lure somebody into an area that could possibly trap them? Do you? See, these are the kinds of conversation you need to be having with your managers, uh, with the executive management, especially if you're in retail environments. Because every day people come into these stores and you think they're great. But all it takes is one crazy person to cause a compromising situation. And I know we're kind of getting way off track, but I can't stress how important it is to be able to understand the resources that you have at your fingers that are right there that you didn't know existed because you never bothered to learn what was there. I know this has been a charge show. Um, ladies and gentlemen, you know I'm John C. Morley. I'm a serial entrepreneur. It has been amazing being with you today on Jaymore Tech Talk. And, you know, we always talk about technology as being fun and being interesting, and it is. 
But when we can learn how to use technology to save people's lives, I think that's amazing. I mean, that's something that you just don't hear about every day. And when you hear about it, guess what? It's usually too late. You hear from a friend like, oh, you know, we really should practice because somebody lost their life last week. So my message to you, ladies and gentlemen, one of the biggest messages I have today, beside all the other great stuff I shared with you, is make this decision in your life when it comes to things like active shooter, when it comes to things like uh, cyber protection or in protection of your own life. Learn how to become proactive instead of reactive. You'll be ready for whatever comes at you. And even if that doesn't solve the problem, it'll at least take some of the steam out of the attack and you'll be able to deploy something else. I hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend. I'm going to be back next week, October 7th, with another great show with even more great content. And I'll be in the month of, I can't believe this, the month of October. Well, for now, everyone, I hope you guys have a real wonderful uh, rest of your weekend. And remember, if you want to become a guest on the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show, check out jaymore.com. Click on Reach Out Today. Apply to become a guest. Remember, we don't bring everybody on. We bring people that have value. And this is not a sales show. Also, check out BelieveMeAchieve.com for more great motivational information to improve your life and so many people in it that you care about. I'll see you guys next Friday. Take care, everyone. suffering from chronic joint or back pain? Downtown's Healthcare in Denver offers effective alternative therapies that are non-invasive, non-surgical, and drug-free. Start your journey to a pain-free life. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown.